0: Does the uh, question for you, does the idea of uh, having God's blessing and protection um, over you appeal to you? Uh, I hope so. He, he made you, he made this world we live in, he made uh, everyone that we live among, and he has uh, ordained the days before us. Um, he knows the number of hairs on our head and uh, breaths in our lungs. And um, he, he controls all things. He's Lord over all things. He is sovereign over all things. So um, having his protection and his blessing, uh, both in uh, this, these bodies that we live in now in, on this earth and especially for eternity to come, it is, uh, it is extremely appealing to me. And um, you know, the, the longer we go in life, the more things we see, more, more troubles and hardships and suffering of, of humanity and, and just the destructive nature of sin's effect on people's lives. And we see that, and it makes us long even more for that blessing and protection and life that God gives And um, this morning we're going to look at Exodus chapter 23, because God is in Exodus 23 in our passage today is uh, teaching his people about his sovereign protection and blessing in their life, and how they can walk in it, and how they can draw confidence from that, from his powerful presence in their life uh, i wanted to mention to you here a, a few passages because I, I would like you to uh, take uh i don't know rip rip a corner off your bulletin or something and uh mark these because we're going to come back to them uh, john 14 psalm 1 and first peter 5 So we're not going to go there yet, but I wanted to give you a heads up because we are going to go there and I uh, wanted you to just be be a little uh, ahead there. All right, Exodus chapter 23 verse 20. The Lord says, "Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared." So God has rescued his people out of Egypt, out of their slavery and, and oppression in Egypt, uh, led them miraculously through the Red Sea and defeated the Egyptian army. And, and he's brought them through, uh, through hunger and thirst and provided for them in the desert and protected them. And, uh, he's, but he's leading them to someplace. It, uh, it reminds me of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. That, that talks about how in Christ, God has saved us from sin by His grace through faith in Christ, but He saves us to something also. So He saves us, rescues us from sin, and now rescues us to the good works that He prepared beforehand. And uh, in, in, in a likeness to that, God has rescued His people here in Exodus from Egypt, from slavery in egypt but is taking them to someplace, and right now they're in this journey where they are learning how to trust in god they're learning about his faithfulness they're learning about what it what it takes to walk in his blessing under his protection uh to be called by his people to live for his glory as as citizens of his kingdom with him being lord and king of all and um and so the, which is, uh, I'm not going to spend any time talking about it, but it just punctuates this point that, um, you know, God has a plan, but a big part of his plan is the journey toward the destination. And the destination, uh, we we make like our five and ten year plan, right? And it's like, here's what we want to, here's our bullet point of what we want to happen. But we sometimes forget that the journey between here and there is, is where so much of the blessing comes uh, in the destination. And so God here in the journey is teaching his people so much about himself and the blessing that they've been invited into of knowing him by name. He says, behold, I sinned." An angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Here, angel is uh, a messenger of God. So God's is he says, "I'm going to send you a messenger, a representative, an ambassador, one who speaks on His behalf." So when that messenger speaks um, to God's people, they are to listen as if it's the Lord speaking, because this is the Lord's ambassador to them. Um. At least theoretically, though, uh, I have a feeling it doesn't really work this way in real time uh, as often as it should. But at least theoretically, an ambassador only speaks the words of the one they represent. So as an ambassador from one country goes to another, the words they speak carry the authority of the one they represent because their very words are to be the words of the one they represent. This is how it is here in Exodus that God sends a messenger. to his, He's going to send a messenger to His people to help them along the way, to guard them, uh, to bring them to the place that He says I've prepared beforehand. Or that He's prepared. And um, this this uh, makes me remember some words that that Jesus actually said it reminds me a whole lot of something that Jesus said now um, Exodus is a a wonderful Old Testament perspective uh, of the gospel really that God saves God rescues his people and the, the picture of Israel and Egypt slavery in Egypt is is a picture of humanity and sin our slavery to sin and god rescuing his people out of egypt is uh it is like it's the picture that we have in the new testament of god sending christ to take our place on the cross to rescue us from sin and um and then to lead us to um into our eternal home and walking with him, and uh, here, of course, in Exodus, God is leading His people toward the Promised Land, and um, and so there's a the the messenger who speaks on behalf of God to lead them in the way, to lead them in the way of of God's protection along the path here, and it reminds us of something that Jesus said because Yahweh says here to His people, "There's there's a place that I have prepared." I'm taking you t- toward that place, and Jesus in John chapter 14. So we're gonna turn there now. This is the one, one, first one I told you to to mark there, John 14, and we're gonna actually be coming back to John 14 a few times here. So John 14, verses a uh, verse starting in verse one. So. So just wrap your mind around this. So Yahweh says to His people, um, I'm sending you a messenger who's going to help you arrive safely at the place I've prepared for you. Um, Now listen to the words of Jesus as He uh, speaks to His disciples here. And this is uh, just for some perspective, um, some context. This is... um, towards the end of Jesus' time, uh, nearing His crucifixion. So His disciples are becoming more aware that Jesus has plans to go somewhere. There's something big that's going to happen here. And the disciples are starting to get a little bit anxious about this because they've heard Jesus talk several times now about um, things alluding to His death or His departure, and they're starting to get a little concerned. He says... where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I, I, I hope you're, you're seeing this as we've been moving along through Exodus that I just want to set up this, this comparative for you um, to kind of help understand the, the, the old, much of the Old Testament in the context of, of the coming of Christ. And so in Exodus, we have uh, the Israelites in slavery in Egypt, which I mentioned is, is a, a really a picture of, of the state of humanity apart from Christ, that we are trapped in our sins, that we are deserving of the wrath of God, and we're stuck there. We can't do anything to get out of that. It is like the slavery that the Israelites were in in Egypt, but God comes and rescues his people. Now, Moses then becomes a, in some ways, a Christ-like figure in in the Exodus account in that God sends Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. Now, um, I say Christ-like because the full attributes of Christ were not present with Moses but God uses Moses to lead, rescue His people out of slavery in Egypt. And then they're on this journey that takes a generation before they reach the promised land. The land God had promised them to be their home. This, this is the picture of the, of, of the Christian life. That we are stuck in our sins. Slavery to sin. We can't break free from that. Um, we, are, we are doomed there. But God has sent a Savior and Jesus Christ, His Son, to take our, the, the punishment for our sin so that we can be rescued out of that. And then we start this journey, this incredible journey where we begin to learn about God's faithfulness, learn about God's love and compassion and grace and mercy towards us. And as we walk through life and the daily things and the struggles and the joys and, and everything that consists of our life here on earth, it, that there's a journey of seeing God's faithful and sovereign hand at work. And more and more as we come to know Him more completely, we see more and more how, how involved He is, how sovereign He is, how gracious, how, how loving and compassionate He is. Uh, as we go through life we see more and more of God's blessing Um, we see more and more uh, clearly God's justice and we see these things more and more as we come to know him through this journey of walking in these bodies until we reach what um, what in the uh, uh, the you know in early earlier in our in our uh, history when there was um, slavery within our country and there would be these um these gospel hymns that would be sung among slaves that, that would look forward to this glorious day when, when they reached the shores of their heavenly home, right? Because they were so familiar with the hardships and suffering and toil of this life in their, in their physical slavery that it made them look forward to that heavenly home. And that is like to our journey that we we are on a journey. God has saved us and rescued us in Christ from our sin and from his judgment. And now we begin this journey of walking with him until we reach that promised land that God has promised to all those who believe in him, eternal life with him in heaven. And so in Exodus, we see this incredible picture then. Uh, as we follow God's people through slavery in Egypt and rescuing out of their slavery in Egypt and their journey through the desert and all the hard things that come there and, and then into the promised land, it's a picture of what God does with, with everyone who will repent and believe in Him. So when we see these things in Exodus, there is a context going on there, historical context, a cultural context, that is different than ours, and yet at the same time, it's a foreshadowing of where we live today with the Savior. And so when, John, when Jesus says, there's a place that I have prepared for you, um, there, this picture is all the way back in Exodus where God says, I'm leading you to this place that I've prepared for you. Jesus says, I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you to his disciples. And we have this incredible hope that we look forward to. But there's a path to get there. In Exodus, God says to his people, he says, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. And, uh, and, and he says, be careful or pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. In other words, he represents Yahweh when he speaks. Um, and this, the thing about, for he will not pardon your transgression, it is that, that they were not to, to have the idea that they could, they could just do whatever they wanted to or rebel against Yahweh without consequence. And so, um, he says, verse 22 but if you carefully obey His voice and do all that, that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. There is a path that they are to walk if they are to stay under the blessing and the protection of Yahweh. Remember we talked about the Ten Commandments being like the, the, the runway lights that mark the path of God's blessing. When we wander out of obedience in, in, by faith, not, not obedience as, in, as the Pharisees sought to do where they could kind of cross off the boxes. Yep, I never killed anybody. Yep, I never did that. But rather, by faith, we say, Lord, I'm going to trust You and obey You. And um, if we walk in that obedience, we stay under the umbrella of God's blessing and protection. Now, this doesn't mean to say that... Um, In this life, we're not going to have any hardship or suffering or difficulties. But rather, um, we have the promise, ultimately, that, that God's blessing and protection, it brings us into an eternal kingdom where there will be no hardship, there will be no suffering, there will be no sickness, there will be no tears of pain or sorrow. And so, ultimately, this is the promised land that God is bringing us safely to. But even in our journey, God's blessing and protection presides with us and over us as we journey through. And um, in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus lays before us the path of walking in that blessing and protection as we walk towards that place that He's prepared for us. John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we love and trust Jesus, he says that what is going to come with that is a keeping uh, an obedience of the things that he has taught us and showed us to do. So the path of then... Walking towards for the disciples here and for us, Jesus says, I go ahead to prepare a place, bef- place for you um, that, that, that that path is with Christ in obedience to Him. Our obedience to Him is not the way we get into heaven. It is the way we live as a result of having received Christ as our Savior by faith. He changes the way we think about the world we live in. He changes our desires within us. And so the evidence of our love and faith in Him is that we keep His commandments. We, we do what honors Him and glorifies Him. In John chapter 14, verse 25 and 26, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So I want you to see the similarities here. Um, Exodus having this sort of foreshadowing of the coming of Christ and our journey in Christ until we reach the heavenly shores that we have uh, God saying, all right, I'm going to send you an angel and uh, you're to listen to Him. Pay careful attention to Him uh, because I'm leading you to a place that I've prepared for you. And He's going to help you get there. Um, and what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I have prepared a place for you. Right? I'm going ahead to prepare a place for you that is going to be your e- eternal home with, with your loving Savior but I'm not just taking off and letting you figure out how to get there. I'm going to give you a helper. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he says, this is the direction you walk, but I'm going to give you a helper to help you walk in that. The Holy Spirit. And so there's this uh, a similarity as we see that God providing an angel to help his people walk um, in obedience to him that God gives believers the holy spirit to help us walk in step with him on our journey between having been rescued out of sin and arriving uh, in in our eternal home god and jesus even says i will not abandon you wonderful promise of god his powerful presence with us always to help us along the journey Verse 23 of Exodus, chapter uh, 23. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Now we need to be really careful here. This is where uh, context is really important because uh, really sloppy context uh, and Bible reading would would have us grab a hold of this and go, "This is God's promise to me. No sickness. Uh, I'm not going to be hungry." But that is not what's going on here. This is contextualized to where His people are, having been rescued out of Egypt and now walking through the desert full of hardships and enemies, and God's saying, if you will follow Me, if you will obey Me, if you will trust in Me, I'm going to provide a protection for you on this journey. Now, I'm convinced that God has a way of doing this in our life as well. On our journey, God's protection is is with us and over us, that we would fulfill His purpose for us and His plan. Now, we also know from reading Scripture, there there is difficulty and hardship that comes in this life. There is difficulty and hardship that comes with following Christ. In fact, He even says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for, for my name's sake, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Um, so if we follow Christ, we're, we're going to have some amount of suffering or persecution or hardship that comes with the territory, but God will protect us to help us walk uh, that, that path that he has, has uh, made for us, those good works that Ephesians 2.10 says that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is, God is not going to allow the enemy to come in and short circuit what he has already planned out for us. And so, here with God's people, He gives them this warning that when, when my angel goes before you to bring you against these enemies, you are to blot them out. You are not to bow down to their gods nor serve them. Now, this is, it's a, a, a very brutal um, picture that we have. But understand this, what God wants his people to do is as he brings them into these uh, new places and brings them into the promised land and, br- and they start to encounter these enemies, what they are to be very careful to do is to hold fast to their trust in Yahweh, to, to stand firm in the, both the promises and the commands that he has given, to stay persevering in those. Uh, because and the reason that they are to blot out these peoples is because, and God even talks about it later there to him, what he knows will happen is if you allow these people groups to remain, you are going to become more like them and drift further away from him. Um, when we come to Christ, God will bring things to our realization uh, about things in our life, sin habits in our life. Um, sometimes it's the, the people that we run with. Um, the, there are any number of things that God might bring to our attention when we become a follower of Christ. And, and it is like this. God's saying, uh, you, need to, you need to blot these out. You need to put these behind you. You need to turn away from this and follow me. Because if you hang on to this stuff, If you try to follow me and bring all this baggage with you, it's not going to work. In fact, uh, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says to his followers, he says, um, any person who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back, he's not ready for he's not ready for service in the kingdom of God. He's not yet ready to follow Christ if, if, he's, if he's looking back to this life that God is bringing him out of. Um, like when God rescued Lot uh, out of Sodom and Gomorrah and his family. He said, don't look back. And the picture was, don't look back with any sort of longing or sorrow toward that which God is rescuing you, rescuing you out of. And Lot's wife looked back. And the implication is she looks back like, ah, I miss home. I miss that place that God is rescuing us out of. And she's uh, turned into a pillar of salt and and she she's, dies on the spot there and God rescues Lot and his daughters. God doesn't want us looking back to the thing that he's rescuing us out of. And he doesn't want his people being um, affected negatively here in their walk with him by these people groups that they're going to be coming up uh, against as, as enemies in these new lands. He says, You shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. They are to remember that they belong to him. They belong to him now. They take their cue from him. And as followers of Christ, we look to Him to set our example for how we are to live. Not even to one another, though hopefully we are a good example to one another. Even Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. But our example is only as good as, uh, as, as we are f- following Christ. And so the measure to which we follow Christ is the measure to which our example of what a Christian is uh, has any merit to it. And so we look to Christ for how we are to walk and live. Just as God's people here are taking their cue from Him as to how they are to live. And to take sin seriously. That's what God is teaching His people here, is to take this very seriously, that they are a people set apart for Him. First 1 Corinthians 15-58, I, this is this is one of the most uh, encouraging uh, verses that that um, that I, I have run across in in terms of um, really encouraging me, exhorting me to persevere in just walking obediently with God. Because sometimes it's it's hard. I don't know if you know that. Sometimes it's hard. And sometimes you're going to be in places where you kind of feel like you're alone, um, where you kind of feel like, uh, God, I've been talking and I don't feel like you're hearing. You're going to be in places that are just challenging and hard as you seek to walk in obedience to him. You're not alone in that, by the way. Um, We all, if we are, if we are persevering in our walk with God, we are all going to walk through those places and probably many times through our life. So it's important for us to come back to what is true. Not what I feel, but what is true. I feel like God's abandoned me. I feel like He's turned a deaf ear to me. I feel like I'm walking out here all alone. But what is true is that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. My helper is with you. To walk, to walk, uh, to w- that you walk in step with Him so we need to come back to what is true, and 1 Corinthians 15, 58 encourages me and exhorts me to do that. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So when you're in that place in the journey, like his people are so many times where it just feels like we're never going to get there, Uh, This hardship is just like one hardship after another, one enemy after another that we keep confronting. And and, and it's just like, God, where are you in this? The encouragement from the Apostle Paul is don't lose heart. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Keep abounding in the work of the Lord because you know the truth is this, that those who walk in obedience and faith in Him your labor is not in vain. It is never going to be in vain. It will feel like it's in vain, but it, the truth is, it is not in vain. So do not lose hope, do not lose heart, do not stop persevering. And so it is, um, so it was with his people, so it is today with his people. Do not bow down, he says, and do as they do. Stay the course. Keep persevering. Walk with me. Trust in me. Obey me. Now, it's good for us to be aware that we have an enemy. We have an enemy bent on our destruction. Israel was going to come up against enemies that would want to destroy them. They weren't happy that Israel was going to come in and take over certain pieces of land that they had called their own for a while we are going to come up against an enemy often in our life who is bent on uh, retaking ground that the Lord has taken he wants to destroy everything that that points people to Christ he wants to discourage and and rough you up and basically make you um, ineffective First Peter chapter five verse six. I ask you to uh, to turn there to read this with me because, um, in part, because I want you to know where this is at in your Bible. Because I want you to come back to it. In fact, all three of those passages that I mentioned earlier, I, I would encourage you to go back to these, spend a little time there with the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Steadfast. Immovable So we have these, these two promises here, uh, two realities, two truths. One is, you have an enemy that is seeking some, some way to take advantage of you, uh, to, to uh, somehow gain a foothold in your life, to throw you off course from staying in step with God and walking with Him in obedience and faith. He's looking for some way uh, to grab a hold of you, so we know that's going to be true there's an enemy prowling around looking for a way to to devour folks. so be on guard, but here's the thing he doesn't say so walk around like scared cats on a hot tin roof right he that's not that's not the message the message isn't walk around in great fear because there's an enemy after you. It is be aware. You have an enemy that's bent on your destruction, so don't be ignorant of this. Understand this is true. This is happening. But rather than being scared, take action. Resist him. Be firm in your faith. God has equipped you for this moment. God has equipped you to deal with this enemy. Just understand he's, he's seeking all kinds of ways to try and gain entrance into your world to wreck it. But be wise to it. And resist him. And stand firm in your faith. And here, here's this uh, amazing uh, promise that and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore you, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Christ Himself, the One who called you, the One who saved you, will Himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. We have a good shepherd who is leading us to the best place of all if we will follow Him and walk with Him. So we round out this, this passage here in verse 26. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. This is part of that blessing that God is going to bring to His people, that protection as in their journey. I will fulfill the number of your days I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall devour out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out uh, from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Um, There's a couple things here I want to mention one remember when god was rescuing his people they came to the red sea and uh things were looking pretty bad because there's this red sea in front of them and there's the egyptian army behind them and god tells his people i will fight for you i will fight for you so god has already told his people i'm going to be there for you i'm going to be the one who fights for you now there's stuff for them to do but there, this, this is the, the, the interesting paradox of the way God works. God does the work, like the, the real work that makes things happen, the saving, the, the protecting, the all of this, God actually does it, but he says, I'm going to involve you in that. The work I'm doing, the work I'm bringing to completion, I'm going to involve you. So while God is the one we point to as having done anything, really, there is there is work for us to do in the middle of that because God is using us to bring about his plans. It is a, it is, it is not something that, it's not a plan that probably you or I would have come up with. Like I have this sovereign master plan, and I'm going to entrust it with people who who can barely tie their shoes. Right? People who can can barely make it through the day, I'm I'm gonna put my plan in, in their care. It, it's a weird plan. But this is the way God has chosen to work to involve us in his work. So his, his protections and his blessings, though they are going to come in ways that... God has an endless number of ways that he can bring his blessing and protection. And what I find interesting here is that he tells his people, he gives them a heads up, which he doesn't always do, but in his, in his mercy here he gives them a heads up. He says, uh, I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the peoples against whom you shall come and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. So you're going to come up to these enemies, and I, I'm going to just so baffle them that they're going, to, they're going to want to run away from you without you even really doing a whole lot here. And so God is the one driving this thing. And then he says in verse 28, And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. So I'm going to send a swarm of hornets to do, to do my work for me here. Uh, to, to run some of these folks out of the land. And he says, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Now, when we formulate our plans, we're like, destroy the enemy, wipe them out. God has a plan here where if it were left up to the Israelites, they'd go, yeah, God, could you just like, lay waste to the whole land, then we'll kind of walk into it. Um, he says, I'm not gonna, that, that's not my plan. He gives him a heads up that my plan is I'm going to do this little by little that your territory increases as your ability to occupy it and steward it increases. Isn't that interesting? He says, I'm not going to do it all in one year. I'm going to do it in increments here. Otherwise, you're going to have other issues. God has a sovereign plan that he is working out. And, and we are in the midst of him working out that plan. And even though it looks weird that God would choose to do it a certain way, he, he is sovereign over all things. So when God chooses to do anything, it fits perfectly within the scope of everything that He is doing throughout the history of, of all things. Have you considered that? That the very details that God is working out in your life fit perfectly within the fabric of everything Everything that he's doing in everyone's lives here and everyone's lives across the globe through generations of people. Isn't that incredible. It it blows my mind. Like when you see something broken and you go fix it, it's usually like you see a broken bolt and you fix a broken bolt. Right? It's not within the scope of your whole life. Like right? you you have a very typically uh though though women are much better than guys at this tunnel vision thing typically, uh, still, we only see a very small portion of what's going on. God has everything woven together perfectly. So when God works anywhere, He's working everywhere. In Mark chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus talking to Peter says that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. God's family, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against them as they walk in obedience with him. The church is under God's protection and God's blessing so long as the church continues to look to him and trust in him and walk with him. Satan cannot prevail against us God's plan is perfect and it will succeed. In John chapter 14, verse 44, he says, uh, Jesus, what? Oh, G- good point. <laughs> good point. There's no John fourteen forty four. Let me think about where I meant to be. Um, That is a very good question. I have no idea what I was thinking when I wrote that down. Um, Anyhow, see, this is part of the journey. I don't know what God's working out, but you just saw, like, we're all human here. All right. One of the things that God is doing is working out His plan and involving us. In fact, Jesus says that uh, the only way for us to, to come to know the Father is what? If He draws us to Himself. But what does He also say? He says that eternal life, is for those who believe. So we have both of these things simultaneously that God both works to bring us to Him and yet we have a responsibility to believe in Him, to repent of our sin. And so it is with the Christian life. Once we've come to Christ, repented and believed and begin to walk with Him, uh, there is work to do and yet it's Him who's really carrying this along and on our journey it's important for us as God gives warning after warning to his people here in Israel um, uh, as they're on their journey there's important warning for us to take note of here so after he says he will drive them out uh, not in one year but uh, he'll eventually drive them out here verse 30 little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness of the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. See those two things again? I will give it to you and you will drive them out. Like both of those things. Again, God's working, but he says there's something for you to do here. Verse 32, you shall make no covenant with them and their gods, again, that warning they shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So, along our way, be wise in the way we walk, that we do not get deceived and veered off course. Psalm chapter one, or, or Psalm one, sorry, um, if we read Psalm one together here. I told you to mark it, and here I am. I'm stumbling around here. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This is the message that God is imparting to his people in Israel here. That keep your eye on him. Don't be deceived. Don't be swayed off course. Because if you do that, if, if you walk with him, if you, if you avoid um, listening to the wrong voices and keep your eye fixed on him, verse 3 of Psalm 1 he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind b- drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. For those who stay the course, who who are steadfast and immovable in their faith in Christ and continue to, to seek after him, to seek first the kingdom of God, when those times come where the winds blow and the waves come, you are going to be anchored firmly in him. And so the time to call out to him, uh, call out to him when you're in the boat and it's going crazy and you feel like you're going to die. That's what the disciples did with Jesus, right? That is an appropriate time to call out to him. But call out to him before that too, right? That we have a practice of walking with him and being firmly planted in him that when that time happens, we're, we're firmly planted in him. The Lord is leading us from slavery to sin to an eternal home and in between those two destinations in between those two points um, we have this journey through through life where we learn to walk with him and rest in him and represent him in this world and god's faithfulness is going to shine as we learn to trust and walk with him and his promise is that he will not abandon or forsake us Uh, psalm 23 is is wonderful in that as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death we will fear no evil why? Because our shepherd is with us. Our good shepherd is with us, and he is with you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are, your promises are sure and fast and true. And Lord, I ask for, for you to help us to grab hold of these and to, to hold firmly in our faith in you, to not be veered off course, to not be deceived, By the world, not be deceived by the enemy who is seeking to devour us. Uh, But Lord, to stand fast, to be immovable, to be always abounding and persevering in the work of of the Lord. Um, Lord, because we know that in the end, that's the stuff that counts. That's the stuff that's going to matter. When we all stand before you, there's a lot of stuff of life that's going to boil away. But the part of it where we endeavored to seek you and to live for your glory. That will remain. And so, Lord, I I, I just ask that you would help us to walk in your ways and step with you. And for those, Lord, who are perhaps on the fence wondering whether following you is really worth it, God, I just ask that you would help impress upon them their need for you. Uh, The promise that you give to all who who embrace you by faith of eternal life, of, of help in this life, of your blessing and protection for eternity and uh, even in the here and now. And Lord, we just w- we pray for you that you would be glorified through us. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, for one part, I want to thank you for catching the the John reference. Uh, I hope you guys will be diligent to do that. Um, you have a fallible presenter of god 's word here, and I trust heavily in god 's spirit to lead me but i 'm a fallible being and it and it is uh, important for you to make sure that you are listening to god 's word and listening to him so that even if uh, even if uh, someone even out of perhaps a good intent speaks something wrong, uh, we need to make sure we deal with it. So I'd, I want to commend you for that and thank you for that. In First Peter, I want to leave you with this passage again in First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Uh, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen.